Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What is it that Ian Gary did that somebody would be so upset they wanted to confront him about? God damn it, Ian! You're the one! You're the one whose wife wrote a book and put it on Amazon! God damn it, I've been looking for you! What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. It's UFC 296 Fight Week, and we got a lot to talk about regarding the final pay-per-view of 2023. Guys, coming up, the backup fighter for the main event announced himself. Leon Edwards talked about Ian Gary's showing up to the gym, and it got me wondering who's going to be next at 170 pounds for a title shot. A lot to get to, everyone. Let's begin here. Leon Edwards spoke a little bit about kicking Ian Gary in the head in practice. There's this rumor that Leon knocked out Ian Gary in practice. And that rumor isn't true, by the way. The Bellator 170-pound champion, that is who knocked out Ian Gary in practice. But there's a rumor, or I should say there was a leak, that Ian was knocked out in practice. The media then has transferred that to Leon knocked out Ian Gary in practice. They've got the wrong guy. Jeremiah Jackson, I believe, is the gentleman's name. Bellator 170-pound champion. Total stud, by the way. He's the one that knocked him out. But here's the point. Because the media has decided it's Leon, because it's fight week for Leon, Leon's getting asked about this and is putting Leon in a very tough position because Leon is not a guy to lie, so he has not confirmed this, but he has definitely led you to... Continue your own misgivings about the belief that he was the one that kicked him out. Okay, fine. But when Leon spoke about this, he said, yeah, man, I let him feel that same head kick I let Kamara feel. He said, but this guy gets kicked out of every gym he goes. When he comes to the gym, it's a whole thing. He's always got his wife. He's always got his kid. He's always got a camera crew. Let's stay right there for a moment. Let's stay right there for a moment. If I have any regrets for my time at Team Quest... And I have have many, because some of you don't even know who Team Quest is. Team Quest is one of the great gyms, if not the single greatest gym in the history of MMA. And I don't have any footage. You know, I got my first iPhone in 2009. And they'd been out for a little while, but not that long. Been out maybe since 2007. 2008's a better guess. And the iPhone is very relevant. Right, as a smartphone and a smart device that you can pull out and have a camera, you can have good audio, you can take pictures, you can make videos. Like it's very different. 
Twitter did not come out until 2008 or 2009. Just for example, like the idea of social media and getting messages out there, documenting certain events, it was a very different time. So if I could go back, I would have brought a camera in. I would have had some of these incredible moments. In that regard, I understand Gary bringing a camera in. But gyms are different. Each gym is different. I never cared if somebody saw me sparring. I would not be opposed to sparring with my opponent. Could not have meant any less to me. If my teammate sat him down, if a trainer sat him down in an inside scoop and an inside mole, and here's what he's planning to do, would not have bothered me in the least. Other guys and the majority of guys don't want that out. They do not want that scene. There are top-level guys in the UFC right now who, when warming up in the back and they throw to that camera shot, will go and do other silly techniques. They don't want anybody seeing what they're doing. And I only bring that contrast to you because Ian Gary was a guest at this gym. It's called the Renegade Gym. He was a guest. He was not a member. He was a member, according to Ian Gary, of Sanford MMA. And so if you're going to bring in a camera crew, it would be important etiquette-wise to go around and talk to the gym first. Is this going to bother you, right? Because the gym is a real safe haven. These athletes that you see on television you think are these big stars, they will allow you to think that. They will get their hair done before they're going to go somewhere with a camera. They will put on fancy suits and sunglasses and whatever the gimmick is before they go on camera. They don't want to be under those same obligations for practice where they haven't shaved in a few days, where they're coming in after a nap where they're stumbling around, where they're a little bit grouchy. They got the stress of a fight. They got the, 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 the wear and tear of the day of training and the day before is training. They're in calorie deficit, right? It's, it's one of these things where it's a real safe haven. And you could, you could really bother some people fast if all of a sudden you're bringing in cameras. Not to mention, what is it you're filming? Are you filming a sparring? And filming sparring turns into a problem 100% of the time, because the person who did the filming edits the footage. You never have a guy that was running the camera that will show a sparring round where he came in second. He might have lost the very round that you watched clips of, but his editing team will edit it and change it. And all of a sudden, he's going over on you and you're supposed to be teammates. And it creates hard feelings. It gets really weird really fast. And I am not new to the camera at practice concept. We, we had a guy at Team Quest that was doing that. And I didn't want to be part of it. I was looking for a camera. I was looking for a spotlight. That was just the wrong time. You come to practice. I mean, this is one of these safe Hagens, right? I used to have busy days and I'm working on three different jobs to try and support this thing. That, that was the one time where I didn't have to think. I did not have to be on. I didn't have to do anything. I just put my gear on and somebody else told me what to do and I would go and do it. So I didn't love having the camera. My larger problem, right? I get to practice. I jump out of my car, grab my bag. I'm headed in. The camera guy runs outside, throws a microphone on me, has me get back into the car as though I had just pulled in, get back out of the car and walk into practice, right? It, it was one of these things where all of a sudden you're working 
and all of a sudden you're on and you don't even know who you're doing it for. You don't know who this camera crew that got access to the jet, you don't know who got the check. Who did he pay? Or what is he going to do with the footage? And what does that side of the business look like? All I know is, is I'm getting asked to get in and out of my car two and three times and stage a shot, and I'm not involved with any part of it, right? It wasn't that I didn't want the footage or to be part of what this was doing. I didn't believe in the cameraman. I didn't believe in him as a producer. I didn't believe in him as a director. I didn't believe he had distribution or he had any kind of a plan. That was 14 years ago. I've never seen a single second of that footage, no matter how many times I pretended to pull into the parking lot. I was right. The, the guy, he didn't know what he was doing. I only bring that to you because every, I keep hearing this about Ian Gary with his camera crew. So who's the crew? The crew goes to Brazil with him. He doesn't have that kind of money. The crew that comes to Florida with him, he doesn't have that kind of money. They go with him when he goes to Ireland. They go with him when he goes out to England or Renegade. He doesn't have that kind of money. So who's this crew? Where's he getting a crew? What do you mean a crew? And if he has a crew and everywhere he goes, you're documented, and all of a sudden he's going to make himself the next Kardashian, which not for nothing, he's a pretty interesting guy. Like, I, I actually do get that concept. But I would watch something like that. I haven't seen one second of it. I haven't seen one second of Ian Gary behind the scenes footage any more than I saw myself walking into Team Quest for a local yokel uh, film crew that did nothing with it 13 years later. Well, why, why has he got a camera crew? What is the camera crew filming? Where does that footage live? Who is he selling it to? Who has bought it? I mean, sports and news are two things you can't do late, right? You got to do them now, right now. 24-7 countdown shows only work because of how impressive their editing and turnaround time is. If I had that footage from Team Quest, Evan Tanner, champion of the world, sparring with Dan Henderson, pride champion, same time. Neither one of them ranked number one. Matt, they're both champions. Matt Lillen's ranked number one. He's in the room too. If I would have had these footages of that, quite frankly, you would not line up to see it. <laughs> Some of you would go, oh, that's pretty interesting. I want to see that, but I'm not going to get droves. I'm not going to be able to monetize something that happened 17 years ago. Sport doesn't work that way. So I'm just wondering, whoever this mythical camera crew that somebody is paying that isn't Team Ian, and I don't give him a hard time for that, but he can't afford to bring three different continents. If they're filming all this footage and everybody talks about how invasive it is and what a pain in the ass to have a, a camera in your private space, I, I really do get that. Where is that footage at? What is he doing with it? Whoever that camera crew is, that I know he's not paying, but whoever that crew is that has talked him into letting him film him, put the footage out, monetize it, bring me in, or stop showing up. That needs to be the very next conversation Ian Gary has. Ian Gary did an interview and he talked about the safety of his family. He's got concerns got some concerns with everything going on about the safety of his family. Now, that's a solid angle. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have surmised for you if I was to make my predictions ahead of time that Ian Gary, the undefeated, top 10, pay-per-view, he's a star. I wouldn't have predicted for you that he would have gone the victim angle. But whoever gave him that advice, it, it always works. This is America. There's nothing more powerful in America than a victim. The doctor and the lawyer and the astronaut do, are, do not have a greater power. The billionaire does not have a greater power than the victim. So it wasn't bad advice that he got, but it, it's like any gimmick. If you're going to go and work it, the crowd has to buy it. Right. Vince can give you the badass gimmick. You, you could have been a surfer and he could, he could give you a gimmick where you come off as a badass, right? 
but the crowd still has to buy it. And to, to buy Ian Gary, the top-ranked, undefeated, great attraction, highly paid, future of the division, Conor McGregor, a point E, as somebody who can't handle himself, with who? Uh, who is it that Ian would run into? I mean, let, let's work that through. Any of you want to go deal with Ian Gary? You've all been teasing him. Are any of you going to go and do something to him if you saw him in person? Don't don't be embarrassed to say no. Of course you're not. Who would? So he gets on an airplane, lands at an airport. Airport's a very safe area. They got metal detectors. You're good at the airport, right? Feel pretty comfortable. You will be met at baggage claim by a chauffeur holding a sign with your name on it. So now you go out and you get into his private car. It's not a long walk. Got to walk out of the building. Now you're safe once you get to the car, though. Can we agree on that? Okay, that car is going to pull you in to a bank. Do you think a bank's is secure? That's what a casino is, just so you understand. A casino is a really large bank. From the armed guards to the money to the eye in the sky. At which point, he is going to go and check into his room. Now, his room, unless he puts out a sign, will be interrupted each day by a member of the housekeeping team. Is there anybody you've heard so far? That's reasonable, what I said. That, that I'm not without exaggeration. This is all the people he will come in contact with. Was it the driver? Was it the other passengers? At baggage claim, was it the housekeeping crew? Was it the front desk help? Who is it that would threaten Ian and the safety of his family to the point that he must defend himself and moreover be worried that he could not? And what is it that Ian has done? What is it that Ian has done that has upset people? Because there was a death threat today that got looked at. It was uh, it was made against a gentleman named Vivek Ramaswamy. But Vivek is setting out to change life as many know it. He's setting out to change laws and rules. You could see where that could anger somebody. You wouldn't like it and you wouldn't get it, but you would be able to see it. What is it that Ian Gary did? That somebody would be so upset they wanted to confront him about. God damn it, Ian! You're the one! You're the one whose wife wrote a book and put it on Amazon! God damn it, I've been looking for you! I brought five friends over here with knives and chains and pitchforks. And What are you talking about? What is it he's talking about? There is nobody I come in contact with in my daily life that I worry that I couldn't protect my wife and children against. Ever. Who is it that Ian is worried about? Well, Mohammed came out over the weekend. He did an interview, says that he's the backup fighter for Colby versus Leon. Now, 
I text Blahal. I'm, I, I've tried to get a hold of him to confirm this. I have failed to reach him. And I have to, I have to give that caveat, okay? My interpretation of what he said, I thought was very clear that he had just received the call. He even went into detail to say that his weight was within striking distance, that he was in shape, but that he had just got the call. And that's the part I'm trying to confirm because, see, that would really surprise me. Mohammed is clearly next. They haven't booked him, right? The deal was made the night he fought Gilbert. Let me back up. The deal was made the night that he fought Gilbert. And when he and Gilbert fought, that was kind of a save the day type moment. One of them was relaxing up in Canada, eating poutine. Like, I remember this part of the story. They tried to do the uh, fight at 175. The other one said, no, it's got to be 170. It came down to 170. There was was all these moving parts, right? It was just enough that I, I, I can remember this. And the rumor was... If you guys do this for us, we will make it a number one contenders match. Fine. I believe that rumor to be true based on nothing else than the fact that Blahal Muhammad has not been booked. He's not even looking for anybody else. He's always looking for somebody. He's always trying to get himself through the next fight, and he hasn't done that. So if he was just called, why was he just called? Does that mean something more? Let's rephrase that, because if he was just called, for sure it means something more. What does it mean? That's the only, that's the only thing I, I'm after here. If he had been the backup fighter, I would assume that that would have been established. I would assume that he knew that it should have been established, and eventually that phone was going to ring, which is why he was in shape and within striking distance of weight. The weight is one of the more compelling parts of this. You you can't just get a call over the weekend for a weigh-in that's a coming Friday and be able to make it. So, what a professional, first off, to Muhammad. What a professional. Am I hearing him wrong? I rewound it. I listened to it a second time. I thought it was pretty clear that he was saying he just got the call. If that is true, why the nervousness? What information came into the UFC that the UFC had to go and book a backup fighter on a card that has six guys in the weight class that are ranked in the top 10 currently? And it's very interesting from a couple of perspectives. Does it mean something if he just got called? Yes, it does. Doesn't mean that the UFC got wind of something. Yes, it does. How strong is that belief? How strong was that wind that got blown their way? What took so long in the first place that Bahal was not already in this position? And moreover, you would also be confronted with the fact that the three fights, six athletes in the top 10 that are currently already booked have a meaningful amount of interest and attention on those fights. It speaks very well to the card, which is why you would bring in yet another, a seventh person, because you don't want to follow the plan that you already had, which was just to break up one of the fights, move one of the guys up. As it's gotten closer, your guys' interest level, ticket sales data analysis is coming in saying this card is strong, don't break it up. 
call Mohammed. But I'm still wondering what it is that they heard. That's a scramble move. To potentially replace your main event one week before, oh, by the way, and not swear him to secrecy. That's, that's a very added element, guys. I mean, let, let me just back up to the last time that we've seen this. It was in March. It was the trilogy. It was Usman versus Edwards. It was in England. Colby not only trained for that fight and got licensed for that fight, he reported to the fight. No one saw him. They didn't see him at the airport. They didn't see him at the hotels. Whatever they did, keep that secret. The reveal happened at the weigh-in. Weigh-ins are going on from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. local time. And Colby comes walking through the curtain. Everyone goes, what the heck is he doing here? I mean, it was one of those moments. It's how the UFC likes it. I disagree with that level of marketing. I disagree. The UFC can't tell me I'm wrong and I can't tell them they're wrong because they've never done it. It would be an experiment. I've always thought there should be a focus on the what if. This is the first time ever we put a focus on the what if. And it came over the weekend in a statement that Blahal made. If I heard the statement right, he had just gotten the call. He didn't keep it secret for a second. Got the call, said yes, picked up, went and did an interview. This is my interpretation. Why wasn't he sworn to secrecy? Why did he not keep it a secret like Colby did? Why did he not keep it a secret like the very first time we've ever seen a backup fighter in the form of Volkov who came through the curtain and nobody even knew what he was doing there. We didn't even know what a backup fighter was at that time. What rumor has the UFC heard that they fear might be true? And which of the athletes between Colby and Leon did they hear the rumor about? Something special is going down at UFC 296 and DraftKings Sportsbook is helping you come out on top in this epic bout between Colby Covington and Leon Edwards. Now, guys, full disclosure, I've known Colby since he's 11 years old. The place I'm sitting right now, Colby grew up exactly 90 minutes from here. And Colby is a slight underdog. I cannot remember the time Colby Covington was in a fight when he was an underdog. But that's where DraftKings has him right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it right now, guys, but use the promo code CHAIL. What that's going to do is get all new customers $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5. You bet just $5 to activate the account with the promo code CHAIL at DraftKings. You're going to get $150 instantly. Now, DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of UFC, and I want you to remember to use the code CHAIL, the crown, is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to number 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash MMA for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Have you ever wanted to learn a new language, but you didn't feel like you had the time or even the energy to invest? Maybe you took some classes in high school or college, but you haven't practiced in years. Or maybe you just want to impress your girlfriend's parents by learning their native language. Rosetta Stone has you covered. They have been the expert in language learning for 30 years and have been used by millions of people. You can download the app onto your phone or your tablet so you can learn on the go. I know many of you did not have the time to take a class or read through a book. Rosetta Stone has made learning convenient and effective through their immersive learning approach. What do I mean by immersive? Well, it's the same thing as if you watch MMA fights on TV, but you never get into the gym. Getting into the gym and taking kickboxing or jiu-jitsu classes helps you to understand the sport and become one with it. Rosetta Stone's lessons are designed for long-term retention of language skills rather than short-term memorization. The focus of the program is preparing you for real, authentic conversations, not just knowing a couple of translations. It's like having your own personal trainer for language learning. You can take Rosetta Stone with you onto the treadmill in your daily commute or even start the day while you're getting ready for work with just 10 minutes a lesson. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started and for a very limited time. My listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's all you have to do. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. That's a steal. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Hey, I got to tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock, and it's not just any lock. It's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm going to tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good-looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell, and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Who's next at 170? Right. Once Colby and Edwards get done, they are done. And it's important that you understand that because we see so many rematches, particularly at 170. We're not going to see one here. This is a one-off. One time. If Colby wins, there's nobody within the UFC that's like, oh, we got to get Leon back in there. Like, that's just not happening. And if Colby does not win, Colby knows what he's up against. That'll be four opportunities. Number five's not coming. It's just a reality. So, who's next? And from the welter play, welterweights on display that are being showcased, six of your top 10 guys, 60% of the top welterweights will all be on this card. So it'd be very reasonable to believe that who's next for the winner of the main event is going to come out of this card, but they're not. And that is wherein lies the problem. Like if there's anything that I don't want this sport to continue doing, if there's anything within 2023 that I hope we do not do again, it is the idea of having two guys in the same weight promised the same thing. It is having two guys in line for a championship match. Prior to 2023, we've done it once. Once ever. It was the night Francis Ngannou knocked out Rosenstrike. And he looked so impressive, talking about Francis, that Dana said he will not fight again until it's for the belt. Now, Dana meant that as a compliment. He meant that as a recognition of the hard work and a way of awarding and rewarding Francis. That's how he meant it. The unseen negative byproduct was we already had Stipe and Daniel signed. So for the first time ever, we, we had identified a number one contender prior to the match. That had never been done before. You always had the match. Then came the number one contender. So. It was just one of these situations, and Francis was upset, now he can't get a paycheck, right? It's very different if they're going to fight next weekend. Their, their fight was a meaningful amount of time. Four months away, I'm making it up with something like that. It was a meaningful amount of time in the future. So all Francis knows is I don't get paid for, for four months plus whatever a, a cycle is. Training camp media, booking venues, playing that whole game. Realistically, I now just got put on the unemployment line for 10 months. That's how Francis heard it, and that's exactly what happened. So, okay, great. We won't do that again. Well, no, 2023 comes around. I, I lose track of how many times we've done it. Volkanovski was in that spot. Volkanovski was in that spot to the point that he's in the front row while Charles is the one in the ring. Fine. So we got Charles and Volkanovski. There's a little bit more to it. It was a backup fight, and he was going for it. It was a pretty, so there's a little bit more to it, but that ends up coming around. We get that fight done. We get into a position somewhere in the year 
at 185 pounds where we tell Duplisi his next fight will be for the championship. The champion in an unforeseen gets beat, which then makes the champion the number one contender. Israel Adesanya is the one who not only should have, he would have and was offered Sean Strickland next, which pushes Duplisi, which makes that, right? It's one of those things. The promise was good when we made it. The landscape changed. Now it's Adesanya. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's exactly how it should be. But Adesanya turns it down. Duplisi's never gets mentioned. Kamara and Chemayev fight for the number one contendership. That ends up not happening, and without any mention whatsoever, Duplisi's get brought back in. So we now have Duplisi as the number one contender. Okay, okay, great. Knowing Izzy will get the number one contendership if he says he wants it, and knowing that Chemayev is the number one contender. That doesn't work for me. And I love having three guys, and I love having three guys argue, and I'd like to hear what Whitaker has to say, and uh, of course take Paulo Costa into consideration. But when it's already been stated, it gets weird. Islam is going to fight somebody. Oh, it's Charles. Islam's going to fight Charles. Charles told the world he wasn't going to do the fight, but booked the fight anyway. Charles turns out a man of his word and did not do the fight. He had a little, little, little scratch above his head here. So then we brought in Volkanovsky. Now that was good news because that's who we were told was going to be next. We were told prior to the Charles fight that if Islam beats him, he will fight Volkanovsky next. But then Justin Gaethje becomes the BMF champion, which makes him the number one contender. So now we got to go with Charles, who the fight is signed. We know Volk is next. That's already been promised to the world. And we got Gaethje, who just became the number one contender. So now Gaethje, in theory, is going to wait for Charles, Volk, and then he gets to go. We got rid of Charles and Vulcan one night. Gaethje should be up next. But somehow he's not. The guy with the scratch on his forehead gets to come. Like, it just gets weird. It's just something I hope that we don't keep doing. Blahal has been waiting. Blahal has been named number one contender. Fine. I get how that happened. I get why it happened. I don't like the idea of the number one contender being named before the championship match. I, I just don't love the concept. But I, I do understand where it becomes a necessity at times to make fights happen. It's just a situation that I hope stops. I really do. I don't like it, and I don't like it because I don't understand it. We have Jones and Stipe. That's the fight. Okay, great. Well, everybody tried. Everybody did what they said they would do. Everybody did their best. We don't have the fight. That fight is now gone. There is no bout agreement anywhere for that fight. That fight does not exist. That fight is in your minds. There's no date. There's on. There's no on sale. There's not even a targeted venue, which is where you think then you, you would change things and get everybody back to work and everybody paid and everybody moving along. But once those deals get made and they put into place, you've got to play them out. Right? You got lots of games being played here, right? You got lots of pieces of the pie, but the integrity piece of the pie, that, that one exists as well. And you can't 
You can't serve them all. So, as we go into 2024, if there's anything, if Chael has a small wish list over here, I've only asked for one thing. One number one contender at a time. One promise issued at a time. When that promise is revoked, an announcement comes out. Then we know to look for a new number one contender, and then we can have that match. But there's a big deal when there's an announcement for this guy, and then we all know it's going to be this guy, and then we're going to hold a number one contender match for this guy, then we're going to skip all of them and go back to this guy. Like, it's, it's one of these things. Throw an announcement in between. Tweet would do. Say it under your breath. Say it real fast. Say whatever you got to say. But don't say three different guys or a contender for the same belt at the same time. Islam Makhlchev came out and he did it on Twitter so I can understand it all. And he said, and he talked about the top four or five guys. I mean, he called them out. He called Charles by name. He called Aram by name. He said, these guys are good. He called Gaethje by name. He called Poirier by name. He said, these guys are good. They are the top guys in the world. They will never be champion as long as I'm here. And it came out of nowhere, by the way. <laughs> like Nobody was taunting him. Somewhere Islam just like took this shot. And I loved it. I find Islam to be an interesting guy. But I spent a meaningful amount of time around Khabib. And it turns out Khabib is secretly really charming and really funny. But, but, but she, right, he, doesn't, he doesn't like to do that at all times when he's doing media. He has a sportsmanship. He has a code that he follows. So I just trust that Islam has that same great sense of humor. And I wish we would get more from him. But I did think that it was interesting that he just fired this off in 160 characters or less. He just fired in response to nothing. So he then did an interview. And within the interview, he was speaking about Charles specifically. And he was talking about Aram specifically. And everybody knows that if he fought Charles, that would be a rematch. Everybody, broad stroke. But a lot of people don't know he's fought Arum. He fought Arum at a time when people didn't care about Arum, but he fought Arum at a time when people didn't care about Islam. Islam and Arum fought at a time where they were both clearly very good and did not have a fan base, and that's why they got put together, to get rid of one of them. Now, that didn't happen. They both turned out to be so good, they, they've still rise to the top. I'm just trying to paint that picture for you because you might not know that it's a rematch. And rematch is the entire point that Islam was speaking to. He said, I don't want to do a rematch. I'm not interested in either one of those guys. And he then had another and better idea, which was Justin Gaethje. And Justin Gaethje versus Islam and Poirier versus Islam are no-brainers. First off, the crowd wants to see him. Second, the, the rankings support it. Their resumes and their bodies of work, right? I mean, we got some guys with a little steadier path. If you go look, if you just go look at passes and trajectory, uh, uh, Benny DeRouge, who's coming off with two losses, has a better path. I mean, he's got eight in a row. He's still two out of his last 10. But if you go look at the people that those guys fought, right? This is not a tough sell. You are not going to resist in the least. The media is not going to resist in the, in the least. 
the locker room and the fellow boys with the same dream are not going to resist in the least. For Gaethje, Poirier. To both go in there with Islam, it sounds like that's what Islam wants. And that could change quickly. One thing about this sport, boy, that can change fast. Who's a killer now versus who was? I mean, Fitzayev was getting worked into this mix. Gaethje got brought in to give the shine to Vidzayev. That was that was supposed to be a pass-the-torch moment. It turned out Gaethje was clinging on that torch a little tighter than people had realized. And I only use that to demonstrate it can change very quickly, but for right now. But I, I do want to break this down, okay? Aram is not going to get the fight with Islam. They fought the first time because not enough people cared about Aram or Islam. And that's just a reality. Aram is now a main eventer who got a finish. He will return to a main event. Like, his star is coming, believe me. But I'm talking about right now. What are we going to do next? Somebody somewhere wants to see Charles fight Islam. Somebody somewhere with influence wants to see that fight. I'm not attempting to do what the kids call hate on the fight. But we have had Charles, three for three. The day the UFC announced the fight, I was live on the desk being paid by the UFC, and I was teed up the question by John Anik. My job is to put the fight over. I looked at John on live TV. I said, they're never going to fight. John's eyes got big. Couldn't believe I was saying it. I was trying to catch myself, too. I mean, I was trying to do as smooth as I could. There was no other smoother way to say it. Charles had stated three times, I'm not going to do the fight on October 22nd. Three different times. And then an announcement comes that Charles doing the fight. Well, excuse me. I've got to hear it from Charles. I can't have a third party telling me he's going to do a fight when I have him telling us he's not going to do it. If I had a manager, if I had a third party telling me he was going to do it versus the third party telling me he's not going to do it, I would rely on whatever information came latest, which in that case, I would co-sign John Anik's statement and say, yeah, they're going to do the fight. But I, I couldn't do that. I said, that fight's not going to happen. Who's my source? My source is Charles Oliveira. Who's your source that it is going to happen? Well, it's a press release. I, somebody put down in front of me. Right, but I'm, I'm only bringing this to you because you got Charles three for three. His last three times speaking about Islam is, I am not going to fight Islam. We'll call it a fourth time the day that he came out and showed the paper cut above his eye to say, I'm not fighting Islam. And now you have Islam saying, I don't want to fight Charles. Who in the hell is trying to push this fight? Somebody somewhere, which is a really nice way of me not telling you specifically who and specifically where, though I know both wants to see this rematch. But that was a year ago that they asked for this request. We just haven't got around to it. Call that person back. I don't think they still want to see the fight. I believe you're relying on old information. I don't believe somebody wants to see a fight that both guys have said, I don't want to do. I have never seen a fight in history for a main event and or title, let alone both, where both participants have said, I don't want to fight that guy. If you have that ingredient of both sides, red corner and blue corner, publicly, I don't want to fight him. If you have that ingredient, there has never been a fight made. Not for a main event, not on a paper. I don't know that it's ever been made. But I also don't know all of the, the, the mid-card and curtain jerk and jobbers. I just don't. So 
whoever, wherever, okay, when they wake up, check the time zone, call them back. Say, hey, I remember what you told me in February of 2023. I'm getting real close by February of 24 to making it happen. Do you still want to see that fight? Because I'm only doing it for this reason. It's, it's one of these things. Charles doesn't want to fight Islam. Islam doesn't want to fight Charles. Islam does want to fight. He wants to fight Gaethje. Charles would like to fight. He doesn't have enough money not to. So get him a job that he's willing to go and do. There's nothing bad. There's nothing risque about this. There's nothing disrespectful. Those guys fought. Those two are warriors. They went out. They had a problem. They settled their business. It settled. They shook hands and they walked away. Let them walk away. Floyd Mayweather is one of the more interesting characters in sports history. Now, he goes right in line with sports entertainment. Like professional wrestlers, th this story is a dime a dozen with professional wrestlers. And the reason I referred to Floyd as an interesting character, because what you see from Floyd is not Floyd. That, that is an act. That is not a person. That is a character. But where it does tie into pro wrestling, right? When Floyd came out and pretended to be something that he wasn't, many pro wrestlers will mark out for their own gimmick, which means you have a gimmick, you have an act, you have a character. And we all as human beings are whoever we pretend to be. And the great ones, they, they will call it acting. And they will become somebody they're not. They will become that person for a scene and they can drop it and let it go. That's the difference between a skill and a weirdo. Or they'll stay in that the whole time they're on set for three months. You go and have dinner with them and they will stay in that character of that outlaw and they'll have that gun on their hip and they'll have that hat on. They'll do that whole for the three months and then they drop it and let it go and they go back to who they are and they use their actual name. You get pro wrestlers that won't ever do that. You get pro wrestlers that are long retired and they're still going off of their gimmick name. I mean, it's just a very common thing where somebody will, they'll fall for it. They will fall for the work themselves. What they sat down and scripted and wanted to see if it could get over with the audience over a period of time, they actually become that person. Very normal. Floyd did this with Money Mayweather. And Money Mayweather was one of the very few gimmicks in all of sport at that time. Perhaps the only gimmick. I don't remember anybody. There's been one guy in baseball ever. You guys remember that guy? He was real interesting. He did the beard. I don't know if the beard was real, if the beard was fake. But you remember the guy with the beard? He was a meaningful player. God, well, he might have even been a pitcher. But remember when he would work that angle? He was live on, on a sports show one time. Might have even been sports center. He's, they got a live shot of him. And he, and he has a gimp from Pulp Fiction. He has a gimp cut through the back room, uh, way behind him, as though he doesn't know. But do, but do you remember when he did that? That was great stuff. I can't think of a baseball player in history that's ever done a gimmick aside from that gentleman. I cannot think of a football player in history that's ever done it. So when I tell you that Floyd, I believe, was the only character in all of sport at that time, he's one of the few characters of all time in sport. But 
what you used to sell tickets, right? Because Floyd wasn't always Money Mayweather. He was Pretty Boy Floyd. And Pretty Boy Floyd didn't work. And he knew the importance to a gimmick. He knew the importance to an interview. He knew the importance of entertainment. He knew these things. He was a student of the sport. He had watched it, but he hadn't found his. So he adjusted. He adjusted. He came off and he got inspired by rap videos. And it was a very brash thing to ever brag if you had something. Even if you had a fancy watch that maybe you would like somebody to notice. We've all had a toy, something like this, that we wanted our friends to see. But there was a way that your friends had to see it so that, you know, you weren't spoiled. Or you didn't look like a snob or you, you didn't look arrogant for having it. And the rap culture turned on that and steered into it. Look at that. He renamed it Bling. And they were flashing money and the beautiful girls and the fancy cars and the cool parties. And it was all just an image. It was an act, but it was working. And Floyd saw that. He got inspired by it. And he just took that into boxing. It was great. Pretty Boy Floyd was not a thing. Pretty Boy Floyd didn't make a lot of money. Had hard fights. They didn't change the rules for him. They didn't reduce training camp for him. Just didn't get the same rewards. Money, Mayweather changed everything. Starts doing interviews. He was uncomfortable with it. I remember, I remember it was all, the $100 bills and he, he was fan. I mean, he was uncomfortable. He wasn't sure how to do it. He wasn't sure if the public was going to like it. He starts breaking them off. They're going right into the camera lens. It's this great shot that you can still find today. But when he saw that it worked, right, this thing started to steamroll. He went with it. It was great. It was really great for business. But business is over, right? Much like the pro wrestlers who no longer wrestle, but don't go by the name that their mother and father gave them. They go by the name that Vince McMahon gave them. They wear the same clothes. They act the same way, right? It's, it's one of these things where you look at and go, man, that's, that's not a great performer. The great performers go and become somebody they're not while at work, and they go back to themselves when they go to their family. It, there's a difference. And if Floyd was out there promoting or selling something, I wouldn't give him a hard time. I always feel compelled. I met Floyd one time. He couldn't have been a nicer guy to me. I don't mean to give him a hard time. There is just an amazement within me when you, the public, sees bull crap. And you don't know it's bull crap. Like, that does amaze me. It surprises me. But it also reinforces my belief that there is an opportunity to come out and create a character that gets over with the audience. And Floyd made a lot of money in his career. He didn't make anywhere near what he claimed that he made. Floyd's claims of which were made up were supported and are to this second supported by Forbes. Forbes is a highly trusted and respected source. Presidents of countries will give speeches and arguments and cite Forbes as a source. They're getting duped by a gentleman who, according to 50 Cent, does not know how to read. I mean, I mean you take that how you will. Not the literacy part. You take how you will about Forbes. They're, they're so smart and they're so reputable and they're so believed. They're so entrusted. They have been fooled for years and continue to this second to be fooled by a gentleman whose best friend says is illiterate. So Floyd came out today 
and Boxing Kingdom, which is a very, very big publication, fell for it. And if you're a publication, if you're a media member, you must be a willing participant within the gimmick. You must be, but now you're working together. You don't have to believe it. You just don't come crack it. If it's a good gimmick that sells and brings in interest, you must be a willing participant for the person that's presenting that character to you. So I wouldn't blame Boxing Kingdom if there was something to sell. I wouldn't blame them. I would understand what they were doing. There's nothing to sell, and they did it anyway. They did it anyway because they believed it was true, just like Forbes, which makes them pretty stupid. And all it is, it's Floyd. Here's the story. Floyd Mayweather has closed down a mall. He has rented out the entire mall to go Christmas shopping. And then he went shopping and he spent $15 million. Now the proof, the proof that this happened is Floyd in a mall and Floyd with a bag of cash that probably had about a hundred grand in it. Now, there was some real money in that bag, and Floyd is known to go around Vegas with that bag. That's true. How does having a bag that has roughly $100,000 in it represent making a purchase at a mall for $15 million? Do you see the problem there? If I went to a mall and I was a big spender, I would have no bag. I would have no bag of cash. I would either have the $15 million I'm going to spend, or I would have no bag at all. I would use my card. But much like you guys, you've never done a combination of the two. Never. In your life, you've never combined the two. You've never bought anything with cash and go, hey, put the rest of it on the card. You've never done that. But we're led to believe within the story that Floyd spent $15 million shopping because we have proof that he has a bag that has about $100,000 in cash. I mean, the whole thing's silly, right? Then you've got to understand. So when Floyd does this interview, he's at the mall. So they got a camera shot and it's right on him. And he says, man, I'm a VIP. I'm a VP. I'm a VVVVIP. I want to go shop, but I'm like Santa Claus. I do it all alone. He lowers his voice. So whenever one of his friends pulls out the camera to prove that he shut down a mall and then comes with the, the $15 million expense claim, right? Much like when he claimed he got a quarter billion dollars to fight Manny Pacquiao and Forbes backed it up. Do you want to know why he was whispering, guys? He was whispering so that he didn't disrupt the employees and fellow shoppers at the mall. He was whispering because he did not rent out the mall. It was a work. He's wearing about $28 in garage sale clothing in the shot. Not for nothing. I know you're not going to go spend $15 million, but you also don't walk around the bag of $100,000 in cash. If you were that guy, if that happened, if you had it that way, would you have on $28 worth of clothing? Or would you wear something a little bit nicer? So within the same shot... This is all a shot that Boxing Kingdom put out because they thought it was real. Within the same piece that you can watch, which is only 12 seconds, Floyd's in a second store. So he does the establishing shot with his voice down because he wants you to think the mall is to himself. And the way they got him boxed, there is no one else. You can't see anyone else. So the next shot is him in the actual store doing some shopping. He's in a completely different outfit. So it's not even the same day. 
his editing crew would not qualify as amateur, okay? An amateur crew is an aspiring professional crew. The editing crew that he had would not qualify as amateur. That would have cost zero dollars to make the piece that he made. There is no one that would be as bad as they did at editing that could with a straight face charge you. Not even $10, they could not charge, it's, it's awful. If you were gonna spend $15 million and you wanted the world to know it was important to you, would you have a camera crew that was less than amateur? Because he did. It's okay, this is a gimmick. Floyd did everything that Floyd is supposed to do. It's strange that a 50-year-old man would continue to do what he did when he was 28 years old. That's strange. It's strange that you would need whatever attention is so bad when you don't have anything to sell. That's strange. But aside from that, Floyd did everything right. He went out and got media, he got his attention, he put a BS story out, then he got a massive publication to believe was true. That's fascinating. I think you agree. All right, guys, I've had it with you all. And I want to give a shout out to this listener on Spotify who said, Shale is a genius. He should run for president. You know what? That is not a bad idea. Sun in 2024. Book it. I'll have my official 296 predictions on Friday. And tell that everybody, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 